0: night talk with oliver dixon
1: 12 minutes after 10 o'clock you're listening to night talk my name is oliver dixon thank you so much for joining us really do appreciate it news 24 reporting today after a lengthy investigation that 70 as per a response from the department of mineral resources and energy 70 fueling stations across the country selling to customers motorists diluted Petrol and diesel, specifically what they do with diesel, as it's called fake diesel, is that they dilute the diesel with paraffin. It makes it a lot cheaper as a liquid, but it means that uh, you are receiving a, a, a product or a, a liquid, a chemical into your vehicle engine that could potentially damage it. How long has this practice been ongoing and, and why have fueling stations adopted it and why is it? that we're only finding out about this practice now, given that it's seemingly been happening for years. Joining us for this conversation is Reggie Sibia. Reggie Sibia is the CEO of the Fuel Retailers Association. Reggie, I hope it's none of your association members that are guilty in this 70 plus, but why is it that retailers are adopting this practice? Uh,
0: Good evening, uh, Oliver uh, and the listeners. Well, it's very possible that it's part of my members. So, uh, but I I don't have the list. But for me, I think um, I'd like to just start by saying, as the association, we've been very vocal about this issue of illegal trading. Uh, Is that there is different types of illegal trading. So maybe somehow, you know, for the past five years, we've been tackling this one and come and focus on this one so it's been diluting maybe the message but generally this is not a yesterday's practice yeah so that we want to make we want to make it clear and we've been vocal putting pressure on the department because you've got to understand that this industry is regulated Mm. every operator in this industry is issued a license either for retailing or for wholesaling And we as FRA have always maintained that it doesn't matter who the offender is. If that offender is actually found out, they must be dealt with heads on and eliminate them from the system. So this has been our call for the past 10 years. But coming to the narrative that um, started since yesterday, the narrative, I've got to say, is not accurate.
1: What is the narrative? Why is it inaccurate?
0: Because the narrative seems to just suggest that the only offender here is the retailer. And that's not true.
1: So before you go there, there, can I pause you here and ask us to just take a step Mm -hmm. back? Would you care to describe to us what the fuel value chain looks like? Uh, where's the yeah. starting point to the point where that thing is pumped into my vehicle? Describe to me all the players there and the roles that they play.
0: Thanks, thanks, Oliver. So um, let's start from the refinery, finished product, which has been stored there at, uh, at what we call primary storage. Then, and, and the refineries are obviously owned by the oil majors. Um, and then from there, it goes to what we call secondary distribution, which is your depots. So these depots are all over the country. So the product reaches the depots via the pipeline or, or via road transport. So when then it reached those depots at this stage, which are mainly owned by the old majors, like your Shell, BP engine, et cetera, so from there the old matches like your engine and bp etc have got then the standards and, and they observe the protocol and they make sure that that product when it leaves their depots to their branded service station it is untempered with. so we are comfortable as the association on that space we're not saying there might not be one or two culprits who will decide not to order via the process. So we need to focus on a bigger problem here. So, and then from there, it goes to the service station. So now for the, what we call independent brands, which are growing and we support it as FRA. You'll find other brands, you know, especially in rural areas that are coming up uh, and that's uh, supporting SMME growth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, but also on the wholesaling, uh, when the act was amended, it extended the licensing for wholesaling to also to SMEs. So what we call independent wholesalers, independent operators, not all of them, but that's where the problem starts because when these independent operators who are wholesalers, they get this product, let's say from a major depot, that's owned by an old major. So the diesel that lives there is pure diesel. Then it goes, for example, to Rachey. Let's say this is Rachey's business. I'm now an independent contractor. Now I've got my own service stations, which we call independent service stations, which I need to supply the product to. And also they supply the products to commercial customers, like your farmers, et cetera. So that's where the problem starts. So when so, Rage gets this, So the, blend, tempering, is pure diesel.
1: the tempering happens at the point where wholesalers who are not necessarily depot owners start transporting yeah. fuel. Am I understanding you correct?
0: Start blending. Let's use that word. The, 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 the diesel has come to their site. They've also ordered paraffin. Okay. Now the blending starting at that site. And the blending is a process by the way. So 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 not so just so it's wholesalers it's,
1: it's wholesalers where the blending happens. And as you call them exactly. SME independent wholesalers largely. Correct. Correct. What, and that
0: for, for what market yeah.
1: share of volume do they account
0: for nationally? With less than 20%. Less than 20%. Less than 20%. Yes less than 20 percent. But the problem, though, that we need to address is that for a motorist, it's a big risk. But before I go there is the fact that now, whether it's a branded uh, service station or independent service station, when that fuel comes to be delivered on the site, it comes sealed in containers on the truck. All the truck has got the labels, this is diesel, and then when the when then it goes from the truck, it goes straight to underground tank. The retailer cannot see firstly the product flowing. They can just look at the meter reading that the product is flowing. Um, so there's no way for them to even know that this product is diluted. But even if it was a transparent, you know, funnel, they will still not be able because they are, you know, um what you call the tools.
1: Yeah. And the machinery that is Reggie, the, the one time my formal education actually helps me in broadcasting is knowing this that uh, paraffin diesel and petrol have different levels of viscosities volatilities and as a result different levels of ph it is by a mere litmus test quite literally you prepare that thing and you do a litmus test uh, out of the tanker and you're able to know if the if if the if the chemical inside the tanker has been tampered with because if it's not to the, speci- uh, the specifications of diesel ph then you know this is not the product you have ordered why is that not a common practice
0: uh, look, it's, it's going forward. I think that should be called for to, be, to 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 be to be put in place, especially for the independent, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, wholesalers and retailers. But then all measures, already have got the, the systems of of tracking those things. But when the truck is on your side, you know, currently with how the product is connected from the tanker to the underground, there is no opportunity of even touching that product it goes straight into the underground tank yeah so that is a gap i agree uh, but then we need to see how we can address it but for me the the thing that we can address tomorrow is the fact that if you go to those 70 service stations and you know the department knows the date of sampling they then go to a service state and say, well, give me the invoices, the, the delivery notes yeah. for this date. And those invoices will show who the supplier is. Then the department should call both the supplier and the retailer and bring them in the table and do a proper investigation. And then from that process, they'll know who the real culprit is. It could be both of them or it could just be the wholesaler. Because- As- Even if a retailer maybe didn't, could not see the product, we don't discount the fact that there could have been knowledge that this person is doing this and I'm getting this at a cheaper price. But you need to do a proper investigation. And then after that, then you go and name and shame. Okay. You, you, and that's t- what we've been saying to the department.
1: You're, you're saying with epistemic certainty here, to Reggie, that uh, it is not oil majors that are doing this, typically the people that own refineries. How do we know it's not? Uh, is re- regular testing being done at that level? Or do we just trust that because these are multinational corporations, they wouldn't do that? Of course, we know that multi multinational corporations aren't always as honest as we perceive them to be.
0: Look, I said um based on the protocols that they that they follow and based on the fact that they know what brand uh, reputation this will will, will actually uh, the damage that this can bring to uh, to the, the reputation of the brand is quite a huge risk to take to take but I'm not discounting also the that you know even the a retailer can decide to say well this time around i think i'm going to get a delivery from somewhere else we're not saying that those things are not happening but we're saying if we look at the standards of safety and and measures and controls sure when it comes to the those 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 those, those the all measures we are very satisfied that they've got those in in, in place what the but dip- when it comes to these independent uh, wholesalers there is none
1: yeah uh, what the de- What the department has told us, uh, at least through the uh, News24 reporting about this, is that they have issued non-compliance notices to these 70 retailers. Um, what is a non-compliance notice and what is the effect thereof?
0: <clears throat> okay, um, <clears throat> Oliver, let me say this thing of testing first is not a new thing. The department has been doing this for a number of years so and this issuing of notices has been happening over a number of years now the question is why we have not seen one person being taken to jail why we have not seen one person being fined up to a million rand so the system is there but the system is not effective and coming to the issue of notices it's linked to the legislation and this needs a, a bigger understanding because when the petroleum products act was amended at a particular point in time it came with a new you know uh, new regulations mm. and any other act those regulations need to be tested and as they go along the journey they then realize, well, we all realize that there are actually loopholes even in the regulations. For example, if you issue a notice to an offender, that notice has to be for a certain period, you know, uh, let's say six months. So an offender then stopped doing it for six so, months. So,
1: so, can I ask, what is the spirit mm-hmm. of a notice corrective or punitive?
0: Firstly, it's corrective and there's a process that you need to follow. That's again, the regulations themselves, that you cannot just issue a notice and then terminate. So you've got to issue a notice and then see if there's corrective uh, uh, you know, uh, behavior. If there's no uh, corrective behavior, we need to issue another notice, you know, how many, and then- How, many, how
1: many strikes is, is are you permitted before they forcefully shut you down? Uh, by that, I mean terminate your operating license.
0: It should be after the second notice, if you continuously doing it, they should terminate you, right? But um, just to give you um, another example here, Oliver, which digress a little bit because there's other, you know, um, non-compliance. One case, we were actually brought together with the department. We joined the department uh, where they went to an independent wholesaler who was... Retailing to the public that is not allowed. They had issued that wholesaler with four notices, and that wholesaler was still not, you know, um, complying. That's clearly a recalcitrant
1: wholesaler. They must be done away exactly. with. Exactly.
0: Then they then then they then revoked the license. But guess what? Because we live in a a, a country with a constitution and everybody also want to exercise their rights. They then, the process allows the offender to appeal, number one, after the controller is issued or has revoked the license to the minister. And then in this case, the minister then also rejected the appeal. And then guess what? Then the case went to the high court. We were actually defending that case uh, last month in the high court. And the judgment came out and the judgment says, okay, we cannot condone this because they were applying for a, an agent interdict. They say we cannot actually, uh, you know, uh, pass this one, and also we cannot actually uh, pass a cost order to you because the department has not followed all the processes to 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 to, to actually um, uh, finally revoke your license because it is a complex practice. But the point that I'm making is we need to actually deal with the amendment of the act. You know, we have been asking and the department has been promising the issue of the amendment of the act for the past 10 years, mm. because there are things that actually you are limited because you cannot just short circuit this process. So, but if you amend the act and you amend the regulations based on the experience that you've now uh, obtained, it makes the system goes quicker. But for now, with this problem that we are faced with, we need to go to the root cause, which is the independent wholesalers as well, and actually start actually issuing notices to them. And my question is, why is the sampling not going to the the independent wholesalers, Mm, mm. where the product comes from? Just out of curiosity.
1: Yeah, just out of curiosity, Mm. not that it's particularly germane to the conversation, but yourself, Reggie, have you expelled uh, members from your associations who have transgressed in this manner?
0: I'd, I would love to have done that if I had powers to do it. But I don't have powers to do that. There's only one uh, a, a unit, and that's the department. No, no, they I mean from your associations.
1: Isn't it? You're not a statutory body, Reggie. You are an industry body. <laughs> you, you and your board can decide what but, the rules of the association yes, we is. are.
0: But you... If there is evidence, you see, I cannot go to a wholesaler as much as I like Mm. and say, here I am, I'm FRA, I'm coming to investigate your business. If they shoot me, nobody will even, they'll first ask, what were you doing there? You had no authority to be there in the first place. So you need to have the authority. Right now, the authority sits with the department. You know, the department is one that... Has got the powers to enforce compliance. Mm. We would love to do that, but we can't do it. We so, can't do it. So if even any, if it's
1: our member. So if it turns out that amongst the seventy members that have been issued non-compliance notices, uh, you you wouldn't get rid of them, expel them to preserve the integrity of your association.
0: Oh no, not not a, well. We can just terminate their membership. Okay, that's what I meant. Because the yeah. membership is. Yeah, it's, it's it's voluntary, but okay. how is that gonna assist the process? Because they're still gonna continue with the, yeah. with the practice.
1: Yeah. No, like I said, it's not important what to the conversation. The I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just curious about no, it. I hear
0: you. I hear you, and I hear you. And sometimes I've been thinking, what can we do? Yeah. Uh, and, and and in fact, the other aspect, Oliver, that we need to look at, as an industry leaders, uh, including Sapia. And I've said this to Sapia before, that this product originally emanates from your major depots mm. from the refinery. So what responsibility do you have? Because when you actually subcontract uh, this product to other people to issue it to them to actually do their own activities, what is the control measure that you need to put in place mm, to mm. also make sure that we, are, we all protect the industry? I think that is something we need to actually talk about.
1: Yeah.
0: And mm-hmm. the other thing, Olive, is that I've always maintained that I know the department has got resource issues as well. Capacity uh, to go around and, and doing these inspections and issuing notices. But as FRA, we said, you just target two or three and stay with the three up to the last point. Make sure that your processes are 100 uh, uh, percent, they cannot be tested in court, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then take out the, the, the notices. And then after that, name and shame. Yeah. Because once you name and shame, then the other offenders will see, oh, it is actually possible that I might end in jail. Speaking, speaking of name and shaming, who,
1: who is that wholesaler that you're litigating against?
0: Well, I was making an example if we do, because we haven't gone to the wholesalers.
1: No, no, isn't you, know, you said you were in but... court last month defending uh, the department in a oh, case. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, Okay.
0: <laughs> please, Oliver, let us not go there. Uh, because <laughs> they've, actually now, they've actually now applied for a review. Yeah. Of the decision of the court, so we actually named and shamed them as FRA. We sent okay. Here's another opportunity. Who,
1: who, who are they? Hmm. Here's another opportunity. Let's know them.
0: How, <laughs> oh, Pradeji? Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Reggie, let's have a listen let's stick,
0: to, let, <laughs> let's, let's stick to the offenders. The seventy, I do not know yeah. the seventy, right? So the seventy, though, know, with the need, with they need, we need to initiate yeah. a process by the department, and they must do a thorough investigation. That's yeah. all we're calling for. And if it is the retailer that is found in that investigation that they knew that the product was actually diluted. Yeah, that retailer we've got no apology. You yes. know the law must follow its course. Let's have That's a listen.
1: Let's have a listen at this. What's a voice? Not in reaction to this. Look, uh, okay. Fm This is strange. You see, there's
0: one thing about Africans, especially educated Africans. They read the book and expect everything to go by the book.
1: This industry, the oil industry is cruel
0: criminal and never ever ever fair it seems like we are expecting these people to change on a day guys we are dealing with criminals with mafias here
1: they will always be like this colin in cape town colin good evening
2: uh good evening good evening good evening to your guest.
1: go right for it colin yeah
2: you know it seems uh, it sounds like uh, it's, a, uh, it's a joke. It's a, this this is a joke. Number one, name and shame is not just thing, as name and shaming men. Your guest must agree about name and shaming men. If, if you are found guilty, no matter what, you must go to prison. Mm. Because, you know, how many people, motor cars, have given them problems and troubles? And the, the mechanics don't even know what was the cause of it. The, if this is going on for years, that could also be the problem. And you know, this government is so useless when they make laws, they don't sit down and study with experts. It's the same as I heard on the radio station this morning hijacking buildings and all those things. The government is having, the municipalities are having problems getting them out they're going to find them accommodation because the constitution is this the constitution is that mm. if a person if a person lives on my property for three hours okay
1: colin yeah we are digressing now but uh, your point is well made thanks a lot for your call no no man. appreciate it No thanks man.
2: Thanks no. <laughs> thanks a
1: lot colin colin really pissed off there <laughs> as you should be all <laughs> south africans um uh, look reggie the, the, uh, before i let you go i just last conversation um, of course, I'm assuming you're getting in touch with the department to ask who these 70 retailers are, so that the necessary industry-level conversations can happen about accountability and and, and internal regulations. Uh, um, what what what's Absolutely. next for you? What's next for you at the Fuel Retailers Association with regards to this uh, list by the by the department? Uh, we
0: actually need uh, to know uh, the list, and we need to know. Uh, how they actually going to deal because uh, with this issue uh, I mean, it's, it's a process that has stand, has started it needs to see its final end. Yeah. That must happen. Otherwise, we are again playing here with the emotions of the listeners and motorists when we come with a story mm. uh, but we are all accountable as leaders to fix the story. Yeah. So What I expect is that next time, then, after this whole thing, if the department is really serious, we then all come and say, this is what we've done. And I think that will give confidence to the motorists and the public. And I think we owe it to them. But the departments need to initiate the process because they've got to lead the process. We cannot go and do this uh, without them. We can just support them uh, 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 in everything that they do and and make sure that you know um consequence management uh is actually done to whoever yeah. is uh responsible for this uh, and you know olive olive the other thing is you no know, i don't want to be responding to to the to, to 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 the to the callers but you know this issue is not an african issue so i just wanted to correct yeah. that. yeah this thing of this thing of blending Paraffin with this, it started in Europe. Yeah, right. So let's not try and Africanize it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It is important <laughs> enough. Yeah. but it's not African the, the, the problem that, but we need to deal with
1: it to the radical yeah. listeners out there I hope you got that thanks a lot for your time Reggie really do appreciate it uh, yeah look we're going to continue this conversation we're going to try and get the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy to to respond to us about what mechanisms they're putting in place and look it really is across the country and for those of you who are curious the big culprit provinces here Limpopo the northwest and KwaZulu-Natal all with double digits uh, amongst the 70 there uh, the Eastern Cape surprisingly only one fueling station in the Eastern Cape is guilty of this practice. Uh, but like I said, those uh, uh, provinces, Limpopo, and KwaZulu-Natal. Yeah, if I were you as a motorist in any of those provinces, I'll start asking questions about where they got their fuel. We're going to take a break. On the other side of this, we speak about the Basic Education Laws Amendment Bill. How will it affect you on the other side of this?